0: Amen. Thanks, Seb. Good morning. Good morning Always good to be with you, yes. church family. Hey, you know one of the one of the things I've noticed just over the last, I suppose, six weeks or so since um, I started uh, a new vocation and joined. Um, Jenny, and, and Jenny, my wife, and, and Richard Black in Strength to Strength, and um, I myself as a, as a coach. But what, what, what I've found is, uh, and, and I know what Jenny, as I've shared my walk with Jenny as a counsellor, is that so many people become, I guess, into a, a place of despair and hopelessness. And they need help to come out of that. And I want to talk this morning about the seed to move the mountain. You know, we all we all face mountains. We all face a I guess issues and, and problems which seem insurmountable. Slight pun. But Jesus made a comparison when the disciples were facing um, someone who was possessed and they found they couldn't deliver them. They came to him, he said, oh, you have a little faith, How how long have I got to put up with you? And they came to him afterwards and said, how come we couldn't cast that demon out? And Jesus said, I say unto you, that if you have the seed like a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved and it will be moved. It's in Matthew 17, 20. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. I guess it's a well known verse, and we we sort of think, well, I haven't got enough faith because my prayers are not being answered. I've still got this mountain. So we pray harder and we seek more. And then sometimes we become despondent and just give up and say, oh, well, that's it. This one's not moving. Maybe it's my cross to bear. And we become resigned or sceptical or it affects our faith. But Jesus said if you will have seed as a mustard seed, one of the smallest of seeds, just a little, that's all you need. Yeah. But so often we, make, we feel that the seed needs to be as big as the mountain before the mountain will move. In other words, we need to conquer it rather than rest in Jesus. Because we all have our mountains. We have illness, depression, a difficult job situation, a difficult husband, (laughs) perhaps. Perhaps. You know, have you got one of those difficult husbands? You say to him, what are you thinking about? And he says, nothing. (laughs) Which is so irritating. But actually, probably true. (laughs) Perhaps he might be thinking about sport or possibly sex, but with age, that passes. Or maybe you've got a naggy wife, husbands. Just slightly naggy, because you're so busy thinking about nothing. (laughs) It seems hard, doesn't it? But we get to a place where we get stuck with our mountain. You know, so often, people in relationship issues come and see Jenny, and I sometimes, I don't listen in, quite a way away and it's private but I sometimes hear a slightly raised tone coming from down the hall because the mountain that's between those two people has built up and built up and built up until they can't even see that they're probably part of the problem or certainly part of the problem we get overawed and overwhelmed with our problems. You know, sometimes we go to the doctor with a problem. I went to the doctor with a problem about, I think it was something like 14 months ago. In fact, I'd saved up a couple of problems (laughs) because I thought that would save money. (laughs) So, I went along and said, yeah, I've got this issue and this issue and this problem and that problem, and he scratched his head and had a look down the throat and whatever, we won't go there. <laughs> and he um, said, oh, well, I'm going to refer you to two specialists just to make sure, just to check up, because these are persistent things. So he gave me two letters, two referrals, two envelopes, with names on the fronts, and one had nose, ear and throat specialist, so-and-so, and the other one had urologist associates. <laughs> we won't talk about that one. But I thought that one was the best to get rid of first, one thing at a time. so. We're not talking about that, but that's what I did. I went, and even though both specialists were in the same building, I went to the one, because that's all I could handle at one time. Long story short, that was fine. (laughs) But the other problem remained, and the other problem was really basically about... a an ongoing cough. I had a cough. And it would come and it would go, but it would be fairly persistent, and Jenny would say to me, when are you going to go to the specialist about the cough? But during the examination by my GP, he had mentioned that he would like to have this looked at, you know, down here. And they put a little camera down and have a look. And the thought of that just put Fear and trepidation into me. The thought of something, and I got it, it was interesting, but I, I got this perception of how it would be. And how am I gonna not choke? And and all of this. So these thoughts were going through my mind, and I thought, my throat, mm, my cough's not too bad. It's sort of getting better. I'll, I'll be all right. <laughs> I'll be all right. And the envelope sat there on my desk and got obscured under a certain pile of papers and then every now and again I'd have a big sort out and it would appear again and Jenny would say when are you going to go and do something about that irritating cough I said well get round to it anyway we went to Texas and so on and so forth and cut a long story short I got a cold about two months ago and even though the cough had never really gone away, it was still there, it got worse, naturally. So I had the cough-cough of the cold and the cough that was ongoing. When are you going to go and see the throat specialist? By this time, the envelope had moved to the kitchen and was above the coffee machine. (laughs) So I thought, better go because I got over the cold, but the cough was still there. So I went along. This was a good 12 months on. I'd already been to the doctor and he said, when are you going to go to the, the, the throat specialist? I don't see any. He's not answered. That's because I haven't been, I said. <laughs> Have you still got the referral? He, yeah, yeah, i still got the referral. Well, I'd like you to go, please. So I had my wife and the do- GP and I'd better go. So I went and he examined me and he said I'm going to put a little camera thing, that's when I really got down my nose and he went down the nose and it was a piece of cake it was easy you know he said oh I can see the problem this and this is all swollen and red and sore and he sat down and he said I'm going to give you these pills it's six weeks course of pills and uh, It'll deal with it. It's a, a re- reflux issue. And these pills will deal with it. I've actually got one in my pocket. <laughs> if I can find it, it's so small. So that night, I took a pill. And when I woke up in the, mid- in, in the middle of the night, when I usually have a little cough, my throat, was open and free and there was no cough and I'd taken one little pill. Now I had the envelope for over 12 months and in the envelope was a letter of introduction to a specialist and when he opened the letter and read it, he carried out the examination. And then he wrote out a little prescription, which I took along to the chemist, gave it to the chemist, he gave me the pills, I took one pill, and my throat was fine. One. I've got six weeks worth. (laughs) And this was this week, while I was preparing this sermon. I thought, That is so like us. That is so like how we are sometimes with our issues and our problems. By the way, who thinks I was really dumb? (laughs) Bat-row? What do you reckon? Oh, I can see the doctor on the back row (laughs) (laughs) Not the one I went to. But uh, really dumb, hey doc? Yeah. But you know, sometimes we sit with our problem and we have the letter of introduction for the solution. But it remains zipped up. When? Perhaps there's some life, there's a seed that's going to move the mountain right here for us, but no, day after day, it stays on the shelf, collecting dust. Day after day, week after week, month after month, we may take a bit of a glance and we go to church on Sunday and hope we'll get the answer then, maybe... But do we look for it? Do we seek it? Is it there? Do we need to ask others, listen, seek, find? The seed in the scripture is an analogy or a picture, a metaphor of God's word. Both the word as in the Bible and the letters, and the contents, and the words of Jesus. But also, we read in John chapter 1, that Jesus is the Word made flesh. So the answer is in him. He is the seed also, that's referred to, way back in Genesis, when it says that the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. So the solution to the issues that Satan brings along in our lives are in him. Amen? Amen. One small pill fix my throat. It can be one verse, it can be one promise that God has given you to bring you through and to bring you out the other side. I remember once when I was going through a real crisis both in our marriage and also in my business. And I found myself in a sense where there didn't seem to be any way out of particularly in the business context. It was such an incredible challenge and it was it was in my face as it were. And I I went to the Lord and said, what what is the answer here? I'm, at the time I'd been away from God and that was one of the problems. But when I came back, as I came back, I found just a wonderful presence of his grace. But as I sought him and I rang in desperation somebody who said to me, get a vision, get a vision. So, I hadn't prayed a great deal for many years, but that particular time I was praying pretty hard, and I got a picture, just not a picture, but a, just a phrase, Jacob's ladder. So I looked, got my Bible out, dusted it off, opened it up, and as I read it, and the story of Jacob, when he ran away from God, he ran away from his home. His brother was after him. He deceived his father. He was a bit of a bad egg, which is kind of how I felt at the time because I'd spent six six years away from church, and away from, in many respects, away from God. Although He'd never left me. And as I read that story, God spoke. As God spoke to Jacob, who was running away, I could kind of relate to Jacob and as I read it there was one verse that stood out which kept me over a very difficult 12 months and that was when Jacob woke up from his dream dreaming about the ladder if you know the story have a read of it, it's in Genesis and he woke up and he said and he made a bit of an altar and he said God was in this place, and I knew it not. And what God said to me was, at that time, I'm in all this. I'm in your mountain. I'm in your difficulty. I'm in your business. I'm in your marriage. I'm even in your time of backsliding. That's my purpose. And God had that, just that one word, God is in this place and I knew it not, just kept me through a very difficult time. And I've always gone back to that, that God is in this place for each one of us, if we'll attach faith to his word. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we need to open it. But God, in His grace, will always answer your prayer. He will always give you an answer. You know, a seed is small, it needs to be hidden or buried to germinate, it's delicate. Often the end result of the seed doesn't bear any resemblance to the original seed, what it grows. It can lay dormant, I read when I googled it. It can lay dormant for up to 2,000 years and still germinate and grow. 1 Peter one twenty three says, God's promises are seeds that need watering. He says... Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of the the imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Since you have been born again, not of the perishable seed, but of an imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. So as we're born again, we're born again of his spirit, of a seed which is imperishable. It's indestructible. It can't be taken away from you. But so often, that seed lies dormant, hopefully not for 2,000 years. But it can lay dormant within us. We can receive promises from God that lie dormant because they're not watered and they're not put into good soil. Because our lives can be compromised, as mine was. The seed never left me. Were more, the further I tried to get away from God during that time of those, that few years period, because I'd, I'd just left because I had of hurt and difficulties and disappointment, And I kind of blame God in a roundabout way. I really knew it was my own fault, but, you know, it seemed to all tie together. And it was a good excuse. It was the church's fault. Because we blame others so often. In our human state. But it just became too difficult to come back. It seemed to me in my pride, which is all it was. But God was there, the seed was there, the seed was in me and every now and again he'd appear and show up. It, 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 needed, it needed to be meditated on, it needed to be prayed over. There were promises there which I thought I was disqualified for. And I guess the fact that I'm standing here is a testimony that it was all there and God was true to his promise. And I've always found God true to his promise. Sometimes we haven't even got the faith to receive them. but It could be that you've got promises that you received years ago that you've never seen fruition for. Unless a seed, it says a a grain of wheat, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But once it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Sometimes there's a death to God's promises that he might bring them to life to his glory in his plan. G.K. Chesterton, who was a philosopher, a theologian, a poet of the late 19th, early 20th century, writes this. I asked through what incarnation or prenatal purgatory I must have passed to earn the reward of looking at a dandelion. Are you all scratching your heads? What on earth is he talking about? And why am I quoting it? Well, probably because, if you notice the little lady up here, um, blowing on the dandelion seeds, right? Right? Do you remember doing that when you were a child? Can I have some acknowledgement here? Did we have some amens in the house? Okay. So, who picked a nice bunch of dandelions for their mother? Can I have... Am I alone? Because, you know, I wasn't allowed to pick my neighbor's flowers or the flowers in the garden, but you could pick the dandelions. I remember going out early on Mother's Day because my father hadn't done his job and got me to get in and pick, picked some dandelions, a bunch of dandelions for Mom for Mother's Day, which she really appreciated. But, you know, G.K. Chesterton looked at the dandelion and he looked at creation and he was from a very dark, philosophical Oxford background at that time which was atheistic to the core. And he looked at a dandelion and he wondered at its beauty and how amazing it was. And when I was looking at the seeds there, I thought about dandelions and one thing led to another and I came across this quote. And found that he actually began his faith journey looking at a dandelion. Coming out of atheism, wondering at creation. See, God can place some pretty strange seeds in our minds sometimes to get our attention. doesn't have to be literally the word, it can be something you see. I remember playing golf with a friend of mine who was supposedly an agnostic or an atheist or whatever and he said, how can you believe? How can you believe? And we were playing at Terrace Downs and Mount Hut was there with the snow on the top and the Alps and incredibly and I just looked up and I said how can I not believe? <laughs> yeah. Chesterton got a hold of that and then he, he realised that wanting in his thought pattern being a clever sort of fella and a thinker He thought, if I'm amazed at the dandelion and how wonderfully it's made and how much I appreciate it, I'm grateful for it. And if I'm grateful, there needs to be somebody or something I need to be grateful to. That's logic. Because he was a clever sort of fellow. He worked like that. That's how his mind worked. Not all of us have minds like that. And one thing to another, and he became a great writer and poet and an apologist as far as Christianity was concerned. He's much read and much quoted. People like Yancey quote him a lot. The Apostle Paul And and Chesterton actually said, which is quite an interesting one for us, those those of you that are gardeners, the only way to enjoy a weed is to feel unworthy even of a weed. Now, that takes a little bit of thought to get around, okay? In reality, we think dandelions are great until we get the job of gardening and getting rid of the things or trying to get them out of our lawn. And he's saying, I even wonder... the wonder of a weed. The Apostle Paul said, I glory in my weakness because his strength is made perfect in my weakness. When he tried to get rid of that thorn in the flesh, I want to get rid of it. Lord, it says that he, he petitioned, he petitioned God three times. And when Paul petitioned, he was a great prayer, when Paul petitioned, he petitioned. He went for it. Maybe you've done that with your mountain, And it's still there. But perhaps it's still there for a purpose that you don't understand. But do you trust him who has left it there? And I would, like to be, I would like to stand here and say that whatever the mountain, it can be moved. Yeah. I would say whatever the mountain, yes, it will be moved. It may not be this lifetime, but it will be moved and you will be free of it. Yeah. In the meantime, what's it doing to you? Is it creating something that's beautiful? I think it was Mike that had a word this morning that talked about the rock, how sometimes we have this rock that is immovable, that's in our way, that's in our life. Yet there's honey in the rock, in one of the Psalms. Honey comes out of the rock. There is something beautiful that comes out of our pain if we allow it to. The enemy of gratitude, one of the foundations of our Christian life is gratitude. Gratitude for everything. Because life is better than nothing at all, right? However, whatever challenge we have in this life, the enemy will always try and get it to preoccupy our attention rather than Jesus preoccupying our attention. He is our source. G.K. Chesterton referred to the dandelion as a as a reward. The weed's a reward. The Apostle Paul talked about glorying being thankful for whatever was wrong with him, whatever it was that was a challenge for him. When we can rest and trust in God, that becomes the groundwork, that place of gratitude becomes the groundwork for the seed. Now, I've got a, a wee seed here. As you've noticed, I've come with a few props this morning. And one of them here is the seed. i got it wrapped up because I thought I might lose it. You can see that? Can you see it? You, You can't? Just a wee seed. It's actually a lemon seed. There you go. Yep. Front row can see it. But it's small, right? right. It <laughs> but it will grow. And it's got the potential to grow into a large lemon tree. That particular seed, that is. And that's all it takes. Mm. But the ground is your heart and my heart. The ground, the seed, the word of God goes into, the promises of God go into, are our heart, our inner man. What's yours like? Is it trusting? Is it faithful? Most of us, if we're honest, will admit to doubts, will admit to fears will we'll admit to questioning our faith at times. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't be human. But we know because we've experienced the imperishable seed of Christ coming into our lives if you've received Jesus. And you know the difference it makes. But sometimes the mountain the challenge creates doubts, and whys, and whys, and we start asking those questions. How come it's happening? How come it's just not fair? You see, for the seed to grow, the soil must be good. we need to cultivate it and open it to him. And the way we do that is to meditate on his word and to pray and to introduce him into every situation and every challenge and the aspects of life and to share him With others, I was speaking on the other day. We were talking to this person, and and the subject of Christianity came up in the context of where we were. And she said, "I don't think I could become a Christian because, you know, could I go to church? Could I become a Christian if I believe?" In evolution. I can't see myself putting evolution aside and I said yes you can some of you maybe you disagree with me tell the person next to you what you would say (laughs) try that what would you say can I become a Christian And still believe in evolution. (laughs) Just a bit of a head scratcher for you this morning. Yeah, I, I said, yes, you can. Jenny looked at me. She wasn't quite sure. Because once the seed is in you, once you believe that Jesus died and rose again, and that was my next challenge. I think she's scratching her head on that one. (laughs) Once you believe that Jesus died for your sins, and you receive him. I said to her, it could be. That as you receive Jesus with faith and you start, he starts speaking to your heart, that whole area of your beliefs in evolution will get challenged and change. But that's between you and him. And of course you could go along to the creation, (laughs) 10 week series with Mike. And get that challenged and sorted but it takes time it's line upon line and grace leaves room for us to grow and for the seed to grow but the seed needs to be planted first, Amen? amen? Planted in our hearts and as I was praying about this message and and seeking the Lord I felt that there were promises that God had for various ones here. And some of them are pretty old. Not 2,000 years, of course. (laughs) But maybe 20. Maybe even 30 years old. Promises from the past. And you've not seen them fulfilled. And they've got put on the shelf and zipped up and forgotten. But the Lord wants to bring them back. He wants to see that life, that seed out, because it's His promise. And He says His word doesn't return void. But He needs our hearts, He needs our faith. To be attached to his word. And it only takes a little. It just takes a seed. So those promises. Are not only for you. They're for your family. They're for those that are around you. Your extended family. Your associates. And they might show up in a different format, in a different way than you perceive them to be because the first time you got it, you thought, that means such and such. But in fact, he's got a different way and a different time because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our th- thoughts and his time is not ours. Amen? Amen? And just like it maybe took me 12 months to get that envelope down to the place where it belonged and to get the answers and the solution to my little cough problem. It's been a whole lot longer for you to get that answer from God that he gave you, that promise that he gave you so long ago. If anyone serves me, the Father will honour him. In 1 John 5, 4 we read, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Faith is active. Faith empowers. Faith visualizes. It's attached to... Some of us are very very passive in our Christianity. We're very passive and we say, well, it hasn't happened. God hasn't dropped it down from the sky. I'm waiting for it. It's going to come. But you know, I had to, with that prescription, I had to go down to the specialist and go through the pain of the examination to get the answer. I had to put feet on it. Mm, And in the same way God's Word works in our lives, we get the Word and we think, yeah, that's a great promise. That's wonderful. Where's it going to come from? And we need to prepare the soil, plant the seed... Water it until we get it. There are solutions to some of those mountains. There are answers for the mountain to be moved. There's healing, there's deliverance, there's health and well being. And it's all in Him. Amen? Yeah. I just like the musicians to come now as we just draw to a close. But, you know, if, if, it's, if, that, if that promise that you received all that time ago, and the Holy Spirit's brought it to your remembrance this morning, and maybe it's not so long ago, maybe it's just a few months ago, or recent. But where is it? Has it been just forgotten? Has that word of prophecy just been, oh well, maybe it wasn't right? Your faith needs to be joined to that word. So as we just worship and, and as we close, I'm gonna open up the, the Older this morning. If you just want to somebody to agree with you? Let's stand, shall we? If you want somebody to just agree with you, say yes, it will be done. The Bible says "Where two or three agree on anything... That's what all this is